Hello, my name is Kendra Leal and welcome to Psych and Saint. This episode, we'll be talking about self-compassion. And this episode is also a very, they're all near and dear to my heart. So I can't say that this is so near and dear to my heart because all the episodes are near and dear to my heart. But I think with this one, I vividly still see myself in this area, um, in this topic. When talking about self-compassion, um, I think it's something that I was taught when I was young, but it wasn't necessarily practiced. So it was hard for me to practice it because my mom would preach self-compassion, but she didn't have a lot of self-compassion. So I didn't have a lot of (laughs) self-compassion, but we're not going to worry about that. We're going to talk about the importance of self-compassion. So so I love talking um, to Christians about, you know, self-compassion and then after self-compassion, self-forgiveness, um, because it's not something that when, we, when Christians preach forgiveness, we don't necessarily preach it in proximity to ourselves, but more so in proximity to others, right? But if we understand, you know, what compassion really is and what forgiveness we begin to understand why it's more necessary for us to practice it with ourselves, just like it's important for us to practice it with other people. Um, I am understanding the nature of God. Like I've talked about this in the last three episodes as well, about understanding the nature of God, but it's so important about understanding the nature and the character of God when he tells you to be forgiving and to be compassionate you know he's also talking about yourself um and because he also chooses compassion and forgiveness and there's a scripture that actually says i will have mercy upon whom i will have mercy upon and he's talking about himself um and then you know there was this one scripture that really blew my mind you know you know sometimes you read and um (laughs) you read scriptures and then they don't really resonate with you until that time that you read it for like the third or fourth time and then like you're like whoa you're like i've been reading the scripture all this time and then it kind of just hits you like out of nowhere so it reads um for colossians 3 12 put on therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have any quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. But the first part, when it's telling you to what to cover yourself in, cover yourself in mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness, um, and long suffering. I think that when we think about that, I, you know, I would think about that in terms of oh, for other people, like you know, you're you're being meek so that you know you can be meek for other people. Long suffering for your engagement for other people. Um, kindness for other people. Humbleness of mind. Mercies for other people. And people really sometimes it's hard for them to acknowledge 
that God really expects us to be kind to ourselves, <laughs> which is why he tells you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, because the expectation is there for you to love yourself. If it wasn't, he wouldn't suggest to love your neighbor like you love yourself. He said, love your neighbor like you love your mother. Or love your neighbor like you love your father. Love your neighbor like you love your children. Love your neighbor like you love your husband, your wife. But he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because there's an expectation there for you to actually love yourself. And I've heard some arguments against self-love. And it's so peculiar to me, that argument. I think maybe there is a misunderstanding of what self-love is and that it's not self-righteous, but it's actually the foundation for you loving other people. Um, because oftentimes, even in parallels outside of love, how we perceive ourselves is also how we perceive other people. You know, if we are, if our hearts are damaged, we also see people the lens of our damage, you know, or, or if our hearts are too pure, or if our hearts are very pure, not too pure, but we also see the word with the world through those pure lenses, and sometimes we end up getting hurt. But how we see ourselves or experience ourselves is oftentimes how we experience other people. And um, it's so it's so interesting to me that something that we don't push is self-love. I'm happy that now, you know, we're getting, you know, as the church is expanding you know, in terms of, you know, psychological principles, self-love is coming up. I'm very happy, but I hope that it's pushed more so about that that's the foundation for even interacting with people. And I hope that we push that foundation because it's so important, um, even in terms of setting boundaries for yourself. I can't wait to talk to you guys about a specific episode, but I'm thinking about an episode that deals with forgiveness. And when I talk about setting boundaries, um, you know, sometimes if that self-respect and self-love and self-compassion factor is not there for you, it is harder for you to set boundaries and to not be there for yourself and to, and to endure more pain from people than what is, is really necessary um, for you to endure. Um, and, you know, oftentimes people in the name of holiness will forfeit, forfeit, forfeit self-compassion in the name of holiness. And it's not necessary, actually. It's, it's almost wondering to me, like, how are you actually doing it? How are you actually being holy you know, while forfeiting self-compassion. Because your idea of compassion for others, where is it really stemming from? Because oftentimes we also judge people by the way we judge ourselves. Well, I wouldn't do that. I would never say that to you. So the compassion you have with yourself really does come into play with the compassion we have for and with other people. And so... um I think that it's, 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 you know, with the disputes and the conversations people have of self-compassion, the way they view themselves, I think it's so interesting because if it's hard for you to forgive yourself and to have compassion with yourself, are you really able to have compassion and forgive other people? Because you are a person really understands your own intentions, right? While other people don't. You don't know this person's heart. You don't truly know their intentions. You can assume 
but you really don't know. Only God knows. But you know, you don't know your heart, but you know your intentions, right? So while you're knowing your intentions, if it's hard for you to forgive yourself, can you really forgive and have compassion for the person whose heart you really don't know and have compassion and forgive them? And, you know, I think that it's one of the my favorite things that comes into play. You know, God, God oftentimes in the Bible, he'll say, do this as yourself. Do this for this person as yourself because he's coming back to the expectation he expects you to have. For yourself, and I think that you know, self love and self compassion is such a basic principle that I think that he didn't stress it because it's kind of almost expected. Like, you know, he doesn't have to stress to you to drink water because you just should be drinking water, you know, he doesn't stress to you to eat because you kind of die if you don't. So, But also, one of the biggest downsides to the lack of self-compassion is guilt and condemnation, right? And those are two ungodly emotions that Christians often struggle with, especially because our faith is one where it it has a standard, where God is calling us to a certain standard, and we know that missing the mark is sin. And so oftentimes, if we fall, even I'm not talking about sins that you know people push you know and are constantly telling you this is sinful this is sinful i mean even things like your bad attitude right your intention you rolling your eyes you know your your road rage you know (laughs) things like that you know oftentimes we'll beat ourselves up and we'll get in a state of condemning ourselves or feeling guilty and i remember one time i made a really bad mistake and my spirit was so contrite i could not eat But I constantly went to God for forgiveness, so much so that I had to even repent for that because I had asked him for forgiveness and I should have have known that he forgiven me after I asked him. But I was going back so much for the same thing. I'm like, my mom was okay. You've asked God for forgiveness. Trust that he forgave you. And she showed me the principle about, you know, going under the mercy seat. And I'll talk about that maybe in another episode, but... I think that, but there was the guilt and there was a cycle of condemnation, you know, that the enemy allows and he loves it. He loves for you to get stuck on your mess ups. You know, he loves, if he can get stuck on your mess ups, it's easy for him to keep you messing up because once you mess up once and you get in that cycle of guilt and, and, and I'm so awful and I'm terrible and foolish me, oh, he has you. And I, I say this um, to the people around me, and I don't know if they understand it, but I'm going to try to get you guys to understand it. I say this, that an, an unhealed Christian is a devil's playground because there's so much that he can do with an unhealed Christian. An unhealed person is a devil playground, but you get an unhealed Christian. Get somebody who's trying to live for the Lord, who has a conscience of right and wrong, supposedly they're supposed to have a conscience of right and wrong, and then they mess up. You know, for the Christian, when you fall, oh, it can be hard, you know, and even a small fall like, you you know, or something. I mean, not that any sin is bigger than the other, but, you know, even something that is easier to recover from when you fall, it feels like the end of the world. It feels like you've let God down. You've broken his heart. You, you know, you, you've broken his trust. You know, it feels so detrimental. 
But how I know that it is severe, but not as severe enough for condemnation or guilt because he's willing to forgive us. Because most of the time, sin is a sin against God, but he is willing to forgive us, which means that he's willing to wipe the slate clean. And the devil loves to keep us in guilt and condemnation. That's something that God is not even pushing on us. You know, he's saying, okay, baby, I forgive you. Once you go to him for forgiveness and devil, the devil keeps you in the state of, oh, you're awful. I can't believe you did this. You've been doing so good. And all of a sudden you're going to let this little temptation come and you're going to do this. You're going to curse that person out. You're going to roll your eyes. You're going to have this bad attitude. And, you know, you feel so condemned. You feel so bad. But, you know, the Bible says a just man falls so many times. I can't remember the number, but I think that it's seven times. And. I know that in my heart that self-compassion was something that I like to think that I had. (laughs) In theory, I did have it because I understood the principles. And it's something that I would tell other people, like, you know, you have to forgive yourself. And, you know, it's ungodly not to forgive yourself. And you have to have self-compassion over yourself. But in practice, it was hard. It was hard for me to acknowledge that okay, you did this because of the lack of self-compassion that you had. Your standards for yourself were a little bit impossible, you know? And I had these not unrealistic, not very human-like expectations for myself because I did not practice the self-compassion, the forgiveness, which is why it's so important because our faith is one of a standard and upholding a standard. Self-compassion has to come into play because you have to understand your first nature is one of flesh, is natural. You know, the Bible says we are um, um, natural first and spiritual second, and we're constantly renewing ourselves in the Lord day by day, which is why he also gives us brand new mercies every day. Because the mercies you needed yesterday, you don't necessarily need them for today, but today's mercies, oh, you need them for today. So that's why that self-compassion should come in because he's already giving you the mercies that you needed for the day. And then he said that he is more than willing to forgive you for all of your sins. And so I'm like, listen, if Jesus who died on the cross and became sin, even though he was sinless for me, is willing to forgive me and just and quick and easy to forgive me, then that means that I must be willing to forgive myself. And my standard that I have for myself must be rooted in what God has for me and the standard he requires for me to have for myself. And and it is one of forgiveness, which is why I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to be on the other end of a lot of the things that I'm talking about so that I can give you guys a better view of what it looks like. Because, you know, it's easier for people to talk to you about these things without necessarily having experience in them. But I understand what it feels like to, you know, struggle having compassion with yourself, even in terms of, you know, your goals and how you're living your life every day. I think that, though, for Christians, what we have to realize is that sometimes our battle is between self-correction and self-compassion because we are people who live by a certain standard and, you know, the way we live our life. So that self-correction has to come without condemnation. But that's something we have to learn out, well, unlearn 
really. I think in more so that's less of a Christian thing or more of a human thing. Oftentimes we point out flaw, we're very condemning as humans, you know. We say, oh, this person messed up, they're a bad person. You know, instead of just saying, oh, this person messed up. You know, everything that we do is not always applicable to our character because if that's the truth, no person is good by, you know, by our standards. And so for ourselves, we can't, we're not all, just because we're mess, we messed up does not mean we're mess ups. And the self-correction is okay for myself, okay, lay, or okay, Kendra, whatever I want to call myself that day. Um, okay, lay, you messed up. We're going to start afresh, start anew, and we're going to try again. It, it does seem kind of unnatural the first and second time you may do it because you're so used to, oh, oh, you know, that condemning, you know, tone. You already come in with groaning at yourself, rolling your eyes at yourself. But you have to kind of treat yourself the way God sees you. And it makes it easier to also accept his forgiveness, which is why a lot of us repent over and over and over again because we don't feel forgiven because we really haven't forgiven ourselves. But I look at the relationship I have with my mom and with my dad and I will, you know, I'll do something and I'll mess up and make a mistake. And they said, okay, baby, I've forgiven you, you know, and I, I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, please forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Well, I told you I forgave you. <laughs> and, you know, I, part of me, is I don't know if I don't believe it or I'm not convinced you know, I think it's I'm not, I believe them, but I'm just not convinced that they forgave me. And then, you know, my father's really good about it. He's like, baby, if I told you, you know, I forgave you, I forgave you. My mom kind of looks at me like, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you keep asking me for forgiveness? I told you, I don't even remember it anymore, you know. And that's what we have to remember about God is that when he forgives us, he plucks it from his memory. And throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, which means that he makes a choice to let it go, completely erase it, and completely wipe the slate clean. I don't mean like he's like, oh, okay, what's in the back of my head? I don't remember. He actually plucks it from his mind. That's what he says. And so when we're having compassion for ourselves, I look at God as the example of compassion because he is so just. And how the compassion he has for us is the compassion that I seek to have for myself because I am more condemning than he is of me. And I'm trying to set a new foundation for my life because in order to be victorious in the life that he's called me to live, I have to live by his standard. And his standard is one of self-compassion. He wants us to have compassion over ourselves. It's an almost impossible to live holy without being compassionate of yourself. Because holiness for Christians does not mean that you're not going to fall. It means that you don't stay down after that fall, right? But you cannot get back up and be holy and live holy and live righteously without that self-compassion, without that self-forgiveness. Because you have to have an understanding and a foundation there that you are going to mess up. Don't plan your mess up. Don't seek to mess up, but just know that when it comes, let it go past. It just has to go. And it happened, okay? You move on. And, you know, and that every thought that comes to your mind is not your own. So when you're feeling those high, intense, condemning and guilt intense moments, realize that is the trick of the enemy. We're always in spiritual warfare. 
And the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And so these things that you're experiencing also could be the foundation to other things, which is why it's also good to cast down imagination, especially if you're a person who deals with anxiety or has anxiety or has dealt with anxiety in the past. Your guilt and your condemnation could be a gateway to you feeling other things about yourself or eventually just falling. Instead of just falling and getting back up, you stay there. You know, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say that, you know, they were living their life well and then they fell. But the guilt and the condemnation made them stay there because they felt so bad about their fall. And it makes them stay there even longer. And it, it's just such a, it's really, you know, the, the enemy is really crafty. He really has studied humans really well. But we have the answer to conquer all of his devices. And it's really in the word of God. And so when he tells you to forgive your neighbor and or to love your neighbor as you love yourself, he is expecting you to love yourself. And he is expecting you, if you forgive other people, he's expecting you to forgive yourself. There's no way that he is willing to forgive you. And he's telling you, oh, yes, forgive other people, but not forgive yourself. It, that's why sometimes we struggle accepting God's forgiveness because we have not forgiven ourselves. But I want us to be free from anything that God does not want for us. You know, guilt and condemnation, he already told you that he does not want that for us. Jesus said that he came here knowing that he was going to die for the world and die a horrendous death. But he said he did not come here to condemn the world. So if he did not come here knowing what he was going to endure and knowing what his role was on earth and what his duty was, that if he also said, I'm not here to condemn you, then you are not in a position to condemn yourself because you're not holier than, than Jesus. So the standard for ourselves is holiness, not by our own standard, but by God's standard. And he has said that he loves you. He is just to forgive you. And then Jesus said that he did not come to, to condemn the world. So that means that you have no space not to love yourself, not to forgive yourself. And you have no space to condemn yourself. Because if Jesus wasn't willing to do it, then you definitely cannot be willing to condemn yourself. This technique definitely takes practice. I'm not going to say that you're going to get it overnight, but it's about setting a new mental foundation for yourself. Because remember, it is with your mind that you serve the Lord. I'm going to continue to quote that scripture to you guys as episodes go on because we're trying to renew our minds in the Lord and get a better foundation of how to serve him. And our mental health really sometimes reflects our spiritual health oftentimes and how we trust God and how we seek him and how we utilize him. He's always there. He's never changing. And he loves us. And he wants the best for ourselves. But we have to want the best for ourselves by wanting him in every season and every step of our lives, including our mental health. So I hope this conversation about self-compassion was a good foundation for you to understand how God wants you to love yourself. This is not the last conversation we're going to have about it, but this is just a little foundation and a little introduction into what we'll be talking about in further episodes. I love you guys so much. Be blessed and have a great, great day. Good day. There'll be struggles on your Christian journey. Everybody's got a testimony. Yeah. 
Gotta take care of my mental health and maintain our spiritual self. That's why we need psych and There's some days that I lose faith, oh, and I'm reminded of your never-ending grace. The struggles of this world, they take their Say.